Standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions. Let's ask God's blessing before we start. Our Father in heaven, thank you for another Sabbath morning that we can come here before you and learn from your word the truths that you would have us know and understand. And we just ask for your Holy Spirit to be here this morning to open our hearts and drop these seeds of truth into our hearts and we learn more about how that process works. In Jesus' name, amen. This scripture reading here is uh, apparently Jesus is speaking, right? And he said, so is the kingdom of God. So he's trying to explain what the kingdom of God is like. And he chooses to use as his illustration as if a man should cast seed into the ground. In other words, he's choosing the illustration of planting a garden. We can portray it as that. How many of you have planned a garden? One, two, three, four. Most hands are up. What do you do first when you plant a garden? What do you do to the soil? Till it. Why? Why can't you just leave it? Huh? To aerate. to aerate it. Why can't you just leave it hard and full of rocks and stuff? How's that going to work? Have you tried that? So what's the next step after you've tilled it? Oh, you're going to put some stuff into the soil to help it uh, become a better soil. Okay. Okay. And after you've done that, then what? Oh, okay. This has become quite a process. That sounds pretty good, though. I've, I've, I know what you're talking about. Uh, after you've done all that, then what? Start making the rows, huh? And after you got that done, then what? Plant. You plant some seeds, and then what? And then what? Well, I planted some seeds, and it was too cold outside for them to sprout yet, but I did it inside. And I got up, I went, went to bed that night. They didn't grow instantly. I mean, I took the seeds in the ground, all it looked like there was, they, they disappeared. They were gone. I couldn't find them anymore. I didn't know where they went. I couldn't see anything happen. Nothing. It looked like all my work was for nothing. So I went to bed, woke up the next morning, go to look. Of course, I watered them, 
I'd provide them moisture and warmth and everything. I'm looking, and it's all the same. Nothing's happened. And that's what it's saying here, as if a man should cast seed in the ground, he should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, and he knoweth not how. So five days went by. Every day I go and look. I get up and go look. Is there anything growing? Nope, looks the same. Well, maybe I just wasted a bunch of seed. Nothing's happening. Or is nothing happening? Is something happening? I can't see it though, can I? And so Jesus is comparing that planting of a garden to casting seed in the ground. But then eventually, you keep looking each day for new growth, and then all of a sudden, there it is. Green. And it's like, yes! I didn't waste my time. And then you watch it grow. But you don't know how that happened, do you? Was there anything more you could do other than plant the seed and provide it moisture? Could you say, grow, seed, grow? Could you go, was, you know, what could you do? You just had to wait. You didn't know how it was going to happen. And it grows, springs up and starts growing, and you don't know how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. So when it comes up, I planted tomato seeds. When it came up the first day, I went out there and looked, and I expected a great big red ripe tomato on it. I mean, that's why I planted it, and I got this little scrawny green sprout. Well, that's no good. What use is that? Shouldn't I just tear it out and throw it away? I mean, for the earth bringing forth fruit of itself, first the blade. And we're going to learn something about that as we study that this morning. So that's kind of our introduction. That's, uh, but you've got to wait until the fruit is grown before you can have fruit. But as soon as it is there and it's ripe, what do you do? Yeah. And you get to enjoy the fruit of your work. Although you didn't really do much of the work. Who did the work? Who did? God. God's the one who gave the life in the seed and the life in the soil. And that's the part that we can't know how it happens. But we can cooperate with God. We can prepare the soil. And we can, you know, you till it. You add some compost, some fertilizer. You till it again. There are certain parts that you can do. But you plant the seed, and it's gone. And there's nothing you can do. You just kind of sit and wait. And every day you go look. There's something for us to do, and there's the part that we can't do. I love the garden. I just planted not only the... Tomatoes, well, I'll show you some pictures of them a little later. 
But I've got them outside now already, and it's only been three weeks ago, and they're about getting up uh, this big. Every day they start to grow. It's, it's, it's really exciting. It's really fun to go out there and see the growth. Those who garden know what I'm talking about. Those of you who don't, haven't done a lot of gardening don't really know that joy, that enjoyment of gardening. And it is a wonderful um, way of helping us understand about how God grows in us. You know, he grows a new person in us. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. So let's go on here. Here's the Acts of the Apostles. Christ himself calls our attention to the growth of the vegetable world as an illustration of the agency of his spirit in sustaining spiritual life. The sap of the vine ascending from the root is diffused to the branches, sustaining growth and producing blossoms and fruit. So the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Savior pervades the soul, renews the motives and affections, and brings even the thoughts into obedience to the will of God, enabling the receiver to bear the precious fruit of holy deeds. Yeah, isn't that amazing? to read how God, you know, he's the one who created the plants and he created the seeds. And that's a powerful illustration of how he works in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning we're going to kind of try to learn a little bit about that more. Here we are in Christ's object lessons. The germination of the seed represents the beginning of spiritual life. First, you've got to plant the seed. It's dead and gone. Can't see it. What's going to happen next? It represents the beginning of spiritual life. And the development of the plant is a beautiful figure of Christian growth. I need to get you all interested in getting out there and getting something planted so you can learn how Christian growth, so you can have a demonstration of what Christ wants to do in your life. As in nature, so in grace... You want to learn what, about grace? Go plant some seeds. First, don't forget to work the soil. Till it up. As in nature, so in grace. There can be no life without growth. The plant must either grow or die. As its growth is silent and imperceptible, but continuous, pay attention to that. The plant can't stop growing for one day and then expect to grow the next day. The plant has to have continuous growth. 
And in order for the plant to have continuous growth, it must be obedient to all God's commandments for its growth. It must take the moisture, take the sunshine, and convert it into things it can use and draw it up. Continuous. The plant's growth must be silent, imperceptible, but continuous. So is the development of the Christian life. If we're going to grow in Christ, it has to be continuous. If it's a hit and miss thing, today or maybe just in the morning, and in the afternoon I'm going to leave Christ behind and go have some fun. It doesn't work that way. If you're not growing in Christ, you're what? Dying. If the plant doesn't grow, it dies. It has to be continuous growth. You can't take a vacation from growing in Christ. It has to be continuous. At every stage of development, our life may be what? Perfect. Yet if God's purpose for us is fulfilled, there will be continual advancement, continual growth. We will continue to do what he has commanded us to do. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. Why does it take a whole lifetime to be sanctified? The answer is right in front of us. Growth. When the seed sprouts, it's not perfect yet. Why? Because it's just a little worthless seedling. At least if you're wanting fruit. There's nothing worthless about that seedling, though. It just takes time. It takes the lifetime of the plant. The seed has to sprout, the growth has to take, but it is perfect at every stage of that growth. There were seeds about, uh, just nothing but seeds, about three or four weeks ago. Do you see any tomatoes on them? Would you expect any tomatoes on them at that size? So are they worthless, useless things that we should just trash? Are they perfect? How can they be called perfect if they don't have fruit on yet? That's right. And so it is with us. We can be perfect at any stage of growth as long as we have continual obedience. It can't be time obedience one day of the week. You know, I'm going to go to church. I'll be a good Christian today. And party time come the week, right? Is that the way it works? The plant says, I'm going to grow today. But next week I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm not going to grow in Christ. This plant obeys continuously 
all of God's commandments for its growth. And this is what happens. This is about two months later. That plant that was two to three inches tall is now about eight feet tall and trying to get taller. But it's having a hard time finding something to hang on to. Because I, well, it didn't make no sense. I, I didn't want to go get a ladder to have to pick them. <laughs> I'm sorry? You ran out of horse. <laughs> but that's what continuous growth produces. Growth like that. But we're only going to have that growth in Christ if we maintain continuous obedience. We have true sanctification, which takes a lifetime. You're not going to get the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, right away. doesn't happen. Just like the little plant, it has to grow. And then it produces the fruit when it reaches the stage according to obedience to God's commandments, that the fruit is supposed to show up. And then you get the joy of picking the fruit. Christ wants to come and pick the fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Don't expect it tomorrow when you surrender your life and you're born again. You may be able to make an attempt and look sort of like you've already got the fruit, but you're just a new sprout. You're not expected to have the fruits of the Spirit yet. But you're expected to grow perfectly, obedience to all God's commandments at that time. We are in a world that is opposed to righteousness or purity of character, and especially to growth in grace. Wherever we look, we see defilement and corruption, deformity and sin. How opposed is all this to the work that must be accomplished in us just previous to receiving the gift of immortality? God's elect must stand untainted amid the corruptions teeming around them in these last days. Their bodies must be made holy, their spirits pure, if this work is to be accomplished, it must be undertaken at once, earnestly and understandingly. The Spirit of God should have perfect control, influencing every action, continuous obedience, Continuously growing in Christ. Perfection at every stage. Perfect obedience. 
so that we achieve that work of a lifetime, which is sanctification. But it's all it really means, that big word, is that we have continuous obedience. We don't take a break and go do the things of the world. It requires continuous obedience. Well, think about it. They're in the Garden of Eden. The tempter says, you don't have to obey constantly. That's ridiculous. God knows that if you eat of this tree, it's going to be a wonderful experience. And so we are tempted and led astray. And we're allured from our continuous obedience. And so the little plant shrivels and dies. And we have to start over again. We have to be reborn again when we turn and stop with continuous obedience. You receive the spirit of Christ, the spirit of unselfish love and labor for others. You will grow and bring forth fruit. The graces of the spirit will ripen in your character. Your faith will increase. Your convictions deepen. Your love be made perfect. More and more you will reflect the likeness of Christ in all that is pure, noble, and lovely. The plant grows by receiving that which God has provided to sustain its life. It sends down its roots into the earth. It drinks in the sunshine, the dew, and the rain. It receives the life-giving properties from the air. So the Christian is to grow by cooperating with the divine agencies. Feeling our helplessness, we are to improve all the opportunities granted us to gain a fuller experience. As the plant takes root in the soul, so we are to take deep root in what? In Christ. Christ is a soil. If we're not attached to Christ and growing in Christ, we're not growing. We're dying. And it has to be a continuous growth, a continuous attachment. We can't take a break and go do something different. As the plant receives the sunshine, the dew, and the rain, we are to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit continuously, all the time. That's the only way we'll ever be sanctified, and that's the only way we'll ever be prepared for a home in heaven. When Christ comes to take us home, what's he looking for when he goes into the wedding feast? For those who have on his robe of righteousness, and anyone who doesn't will be what? Cast out, bound hand and foot, and thrown into outer darkness. And that's it. The work is to be done not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's not by our own efforts. 
It's not by trying harder. It's by whose spirit? Yes. Saith the Lord of hosts, Zechariah 4, 6. If we keep our minds stayed upon Christ, he will come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. Hosea 6, 3. As the son of righteousness, he will arise upon us with healing in his wings. Malachi 4, 2. We shall grow as the lily. We shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. Hosea 14, 5 and 7. By constantly relying upon Christ as our personal Savior, we shall grow up into him in all things who is the head. Christ object lessons, page 66. We go on a walk there in Dinuba, and there's some, what are the name of those flowers uh, that we see? They're popping up they're just from the bulbs. Huh? That's him. Daffy. I, I should remember that, but I forget it. They're, they look so daffy. But, but the sun hits them, and where there was just bare, black earth, all of a sudden the next day, there's greenery. And then suddenly you walk by, and where did that come from? They're so pretty, and they have such a... But how long did they last? When the hot sun hits them, they're gone. So in that respect, they represent what? When Christ told the parable of the sower, some seed fell on stony ground, sprung up, was a beautiful Christ-like life, like the daffodils, and as soon as the hot sun comes out, the daffodils just wither and are gone. It's so sad, actually. That's not the way we should be growing in Christ. But some of us are daffy Christians, right? We're like daffodil Christians. When the sun hits, we stop our continuous obedience because our roots are not in Christ. The work of the sower is a work of faith. The mystery of the germination and growth of the seed he cannot understand. But he has confidence in the agencies by which God causes vegetation to flourish. In casting his seed into the ground, he is apparently throwing away the precious grain that might furnish bread for his family. But he has only given up a present good for a larger return. He casts a seed away, expecting to gather it many-fold in a, an abundant harvest. So Christ's servants are to labor, expecting a harvest from the seed they sow. When you go out and start your garden, you are expecting a harvest. Otherwise, you wouldn't bother. It'd be a waste of time. And when Christ... has us and wants us and we're giving our lives to him to be born again we can expect a harvest we can expect to be sanctified the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receives the early and latter rain James 5 7 so the Christian is to wait with patience for the fruition in his life of the word of God often 
when we pray for the graces of the Spirit, God works to answer our prayers by placing us in circumstances to develop these fruits. But we do not understand his purpose and wonder and are dismayed. That brings to my mind, have you ever prayed for certain things? Have you heard people say, be careful what you pray for? There's a lot of truth in it because when you pray for God to change your life, <laughs> you better be prepared to go through some difficulties you are hoping for God to just make all the bad results of your bad choices go away. But that's not how he works. He needs to change us from the inside out. We need to have a new life, a new spirit. And so when we pray, often when we pray for the grace of the Spirit, God works to answer our prayers by placing us in circumstances to develop these fruits. But we do not understand his purpose and wonder and are dismayed. Yet none can develop these graces except through the process of growth and fruit bearing. Our part is to receive God's word and to hold it fast, yielding ourselves fully to its control and its purpose in us will be accomplished. You know, when I put those tomato plants out there in the hot sun, and it gets hot. It's, it's not the most pleasant place to be when the sun gets really, really hot. And yet that plant is enabled to withstand that and grow anyway. So we need to think about that when we, you know, be born again. It's going to get hot. Satan will make it very, very hot. He doesn't want to see us grow in Christ. The seed sown upon stony ground finds little depth of soil. The plant springs up quickly, but the root cannot penetrate the rock to find nutriment to sustain its growth, and it soon perishes. Many who make a profession of religion are stony ground hearers. Like the rock underlying the layer of earth, the selfishness of the natural heart underlies the soul, the soil of their good desires and aspirations. The love of self is not subdued. They have not seen the exceeding sinfulness of sin, and the heart has not been humbled under a sense of its guilt. This class may be easily convinced of the truth and appear to be bright converts, but they have only a superficial religion. This is an intellectual knowledge of religion. Stony ground hearers are. We can know and understand everything about who God is. We can understand everything about what sin is. We can understand everything about what the Sabbath is and still be lost. In Christ's days, there was a whole bunch of Jews who understood a lot about what God had commanded them to do in the temple and all that stuff. But when Christ came to show them who the Father was, they says, nope, we don't want anything to do with that. And so what did they do with Christ? 
they crucified him. A superficial religion. Something that's just in your mind and you understand it is worthless. It takes continuous obedience of being born again. You have to be that little green sprout and you have to grow. You can't just jump from here to there. It's a process. Sanctification is the work of today, tomorrow, an hour? No, it's the work of a lifetime. The work of the sower is a work of faith. The mystery of the germination and growth of the seed he cannot understand. But he has confidence in the agencies by which God causes vegetation to flourish. He casts away the seed, expecting to gather it manifold in an abundant harvest. So parents and teachers are to labor, expecting harvest from the seed they sow. There's quite a bit of work in going out and planting a garden, isn't there? And you wouldn't do it if you didn't expect a harvest. If nothing grew and you didn't go out and pick big tomatoes, you wouldn't bother to plant the seed. And many people have that experience. I've tried to encourage people to get involved in gardening, and I said, it just isn't working for me. I tried, but nothing grew. Well, I can tell you one thing. I tried for quite a few years before I had any success. And oftentimes that's what it requires in order for us to have success in growing in Christ. We've got to keep trying. Don't give up. At this time, a very decided work in character building should be going forward among our people. We are to develop before the world the characteristics of the Savior. It is impossible to please God without the exercise of genuine, sanctifying faith. We are individually responsible for our faith. True faith is not a faith that will fail under test and trial. It is the gift of God to his people. And here's, I'm going to close with this quotation. I've read it before, but to me this is something to really latch on and to hang on to. Christ is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church. If he's waiting, that means it hasn't happened. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim me as his own. Ever since I was born, I was just a little kid. I remember being taught in the Sabbath school lessons, in the kindergarten, and wherever, as I grew up. Who's coming again? Christ. You should be living your life to prepare for that. We thought Christ was going to come a long, long time ago, but he still hasn't. Why? I think the answer is right there. Christ Obiglesen, page 69, paragraph 1. We're wanting to go to heaven when our character hasn't been perfected. 
and we're delaying Christ's coming because we're so reluctant to conform our lives to his character. If we truly, really want, we're tired of, if we're really truly tired of this world, if we're not, I guess, why bother? But if we're really truly tired of this world, why don't we let Christ perfectly reproduce his character in us so we can go home? And that's my plea for all you today, this morning. Let's go home. Let's let Christ perfectly reproduce his character in us. Let's grow in Christ so that we can bear fruit. Let's not just stay this scrawny little plant. Let's have prayer. Our Father in heaven, Thank you for these promises in Scripture. Thank you for this revelation of your love for us and how our life in you, growing in you, can be like the little seed that we can plant in our garden. May we be born again and be growing in you and let you have total control of our lives and render continuous obedience so that you can perfectly reproduce your character in us and we can all welcome you and go home. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Standing on the Platform of Truth Pioneer Health and Missions <laughs>